As we ended our last session, I shared with you our future inheritance, our shining star, if you will, has behavioral consequences in the here and the now. This session, I want to show you scripturally why I make that claim. After all, what I say means absolutely nothing, but what God says means absolutely everything. So let us see what God has to say about our future inheritance calling us to produce behavioral consequences in the here and the now. We pick up our study back in chapter 1, but in verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Focus for a moment on that very first phrase, as obedient children. Notice, Peter does not call for obedience. He assumes it already exists. He does the same thing later in verse 22. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Obedience does not produce belief. Belief, however, ought to produce obedience. In fact, let me be more blunt. If you believe Jesus, you will obey Jesus. But if you do not obey Jesus, you really do not believe Jesus. Obedience will be the background of everything we will see starting here in verse 14 and continuing throughout chapter 2, verse 3. The Greek word for obedience is the word upakous. It is actually a compound word. Hupo, meaning under, okuo, meaning to hear. So obedience literally means an individual comes under the authority of the one he hears. If we hear God, then we will come under God. And that is what it means to obey. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust. Obedience is not simply doing certain things. Obedience also implies not doing other things. Look at the phrase again. Do not be conformed to the former lust. So obedience is not simply doing the right things. Obedience is also not doing wrong things. Some years ago, I came across a story of a young lady who was out with friends one evening, and they were suggesting a questionable night spot. 
And she said, I'd better not go. And one of her so-called friends said, what's wrong? Are you afraid if you go, your father will hurt you? To which the young lady responded, no, I'm not afraid if I go, my father might hurt me. But I am afraid if I go, I might hurt my father. That is obedience. God calling us to do some things, but God also calling us not to do other things. He says, do not be conformed to the former lust. Conformed means to fashion yourself into, are being put in the mold of. A decade or so ago, I had the good fortune of pastoring a church in Ohio. One of the dear saints that was a faithful, loving member of our congregation owned a chocolate shop, a very exclusive chocolate shop. It was called Chocolat. And what made Chocolat unique is that the chocolate was always churning and always moving. You walk in Chocolat and there was literally a river of milk chocolate flowing. And my wife worked at Chocolat to help our friend. Well, when Easter would roll around or a special event would roll around, they had these certain molds and they would take that liquid chocolate they would pour the chocolate into those molds and they would let them sit until it cooled. Then they would remove those frames, leaving behind the imprint on that dry chocolate. That's how they got the Easter buddies, the Easter eggs, and all the other wonderful things that they made there in chocolate. Well, in a very bizarre way, that is what Peter is saying to these precious saints in the first century church. Don't let the world put you into their mold. In fact, in our last session, or actually two sessions ago, we looked at Romans chapter 12, where Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And here it comes. And do not be conformed, same word, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts. Peter says, don't go back to the lifestyle that you had when you did not know any better. In fact, let me say this. The greatest evidence of a transformed life is a transformed life. <laughs> There's something different about you. Belief begets behavior. Who we are in Christ changes everything we do for Christ. And Peter is talking about attitude. He is talking about mindset. He is talking about behavior. We now know better because we have a new standard 
of measurement. Verses 15 and 16. But like the Holy One, there's our standard of measurement, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Once we are saved, once we come under the authority of the one we hear, the model, the standard for our character and our conducts becomes God himself. We have a great tendency to measure our goodness by everyone else's badness. We tend to measure ourselves alongside the worst in society. We look at the wicked. We look at the immoral. We look at the ungodly lifestyle of those around us, and we say, well, we're, we're pretty good at it. Here is what I have discovered about the Christian journey. The closer we get to God, the further away we realize we really are. When you see an individual bragging on their holiness or their spiritual spirituality, that tells you how far from God they really are. Because the closer we get to God, the farther away we realize we really are from that standard. And there is an attitude, an air of humility that comes with that. Back to verse 15. Or verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours and your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. What is the dominant word? It's easy to find, isn't it? Holy. He is holy, you be holy. He is holy, you be holy. Because he is holy, you be holy in your behavior. The word holy is actually the word hagias. And it literally means different, distinct, set apart for a sacred service. When we call God holy, we are saying about God, he is holy, he is distinct, he is set apart from anyone and anything else. He is above and he is unique to everything this world has to offer. Well, Peter says, just as the one who called you is holy, you be holy yourselves. So what does that mean about us? It means we are to be distinct, different, set apart for a sacred service. And in fact, there are three distinct ways the word holy is used throughout the word of God. First, the word holy, distinct, different, set apart for a purpose, is used in a relational sense. And let me try to explain biblically what I mean by that. In John chapter 15. John chapter 
15, beginning with verse 18, we find these words. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. When we come to Christ, the relationship with us and the world changes. The world does not like us. We are different. So relation, relationally, when we move further away from them, we move closer to him. In 1 John chapter 2, five letters in the New Testament are attributed to the Apostle John. The Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. So it is not a surprise that what we find in the Gospel of John will also find somewhere in the epistles of John. 1 John, 2 John, or 3 John. But in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John writes, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Relationally, there's a difference between the world and us. In James, half-brother of the Lord Jesus, James chapter 4, verse 4, James says very pointedly, you adulteresses. Can you imagine the gasp when his ears read that passage? You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or in James chapter 1, James chapter 1, Verse, uh, pick it up, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, here it is, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. You and I have to decide whose side we are on. Are we going to be on the world's side or are we going to be on God's side? Now, the side we choose will dictate how we behave. Because if we choose to be on the world's side, ultimately our character, our conduct, our interest will become like the world's. But if we choose to be on God's side, then our character, our conduct, our lifestyle, our values will align with God himself. 
Be ye holy as he is holy. You and I are in the world. We cannot change that. We are, until the Lord Jesus calls us home, we are in the world. But we must not, must not, must not let the world be in us. Think for a moment about the scuba diver. The scuba diver suits up, he puts on his mask, he puts on his tank, and he dives into the water. The scuba diver is in the water. But if the water ever gets into the scuba diver, he's dead. <laughs> right? That is, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Like the scuba diver is to be in the water, but not let the water get into him. Second, the Bible uses the word holy, distinct, different, set apart in an ethical sense. At the beginning of this precious letter of encouragement, Peter referred to these suffering saints as aliens. Not beloved, not brethren, not saints, as aliens. What a strange, strange term for these poor, precious saints being persecuted by a pagan world. But I also shared with you when we looked at verse 1, that the word alien is not only the first word of encouragement in the letter, but also the first word of challenge in the letter. It is a word of encouragement because it, because it is reminding these suffering saints, this world is not your home. You are just a passing through. All of the pain, all of the sorrow, all the suffering that you are going through now, it's temporary. But you have a home awaiting you on the other side where you will spend all of, all of eternity. That is a word of encouragement. <laughs> but it is also a word of challenge. How do we identify someone who is not from here? They walk different. They talk different. They have different customs, different mannerisms. Their character and their conduct are different. And that is the challenge for every one of us. We need to be aliens. There needs to be something different about us in an ethical sense. We are to be separate from the world morally and ethically. The great tragedy that we see in many churches today is we are becoming so much like the world, the world's not drawn to the Christ who we claim lives within us. We are to be different, distinct, set apart, ethically, morally. How we conduct our lives, our values, our lifestyle should be radically different from the world around us. In fact, Peter I mean, I mean, the Apostle Paul makes this challenge to the Corinthians. 
in his second letter to the Corinthians, I refer to the Corinthians as the battling bride. There was always conflict in Corinth. And it had to do with the fact that they were so much like the world, the world did not see a difference between them and the world itself. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, Paul challenges them. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate. Remember, we said hagias, holy, means distinct, different, set apart for a sacred service. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness. That is reaching that point of complete difference, distinction, separation from the world around us. He offers that same challenge in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, he writes to the church of Ephesus beginning in verse 17. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance, there's that word again, the ignorance that is in them. We would say, bless your heart, means poor thing just does not know any better. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, but you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him, remember what we said, the word obedience means to come under the authority of the one we hear. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside, I love the analogy, you lay aside, that is that old garment of sin and selfishness. You take off, you put aside, you lay aside the old self, which being, is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So, in an ethical sense, we are to be different from the world around us. Whose we are ought to affect how we act. Third, the Bible uses the word holy, hagias, distinct, different, set apart, in a divine sense. Not only the things we should not do, not only the character of the lifestyle we should not pursue, but in a divine sense, the character or the lifestyle we should pursue. God's moral perfection, God's 
goodness, God's abhorrence of evil. There should be in our lives such a conformity to the likeness of the Father that we are totally and completely separate and distinct from the world around us. Peter was in reality simply reproducing the challenge he had heard from the Lord Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus had said in the Sermon on the Mount, therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Doesn't that sound a great deal like what Peter says in chapter 1? Be ye holy, for he is holy. If our desire is to be holy as God is holy, we must make it our mission, moment by moment, day by day, to become less of what we are and more of what God wants us to be. 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 challenges us, and everyone who has this hope, remember, hope is bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in a past event. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. That is not merely our challenge. That is our mission. As I have said before, one day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. Coming under the authority of the one we, he, we hear, meaning less of what we are, but more of what he wants us to be. I'll see you next session. Thank you for joining us on this journey through 1 Peter. It is our great desire to encourage you in your faith by taking you deeper in God's word. I hope you have found these sessions to be both inspiring and challenging. We do not want to stay where we are. We want to continue to grow. As we said in one of our sessions, one day Jesus will call my name. As days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. We want to help you get closer by growing you in your faith. We so very much appreciate you following us whether you are following us on YouTube at Word Power Media Ministry, on Instagram at Word Power Media Ministry, or, or whatever podcast provider you happen to use. Again, Word Power Media Ministry. If you have found these sessions to be encouraging, please tell someone about us. It is a word of mouth ministry and we need your help. We would also love to hear how we have encouraged you. You can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com. We would love to hear your encouragement. As I have said before, finding out how we encourage you encourages us. So thanks for joining us.